You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Today's episode is an on-air coaching call where I take a fellow yoga teacher through a mini strategy session. These on-air coaching calls are a great way to get a taste of what it's like to work with me one-on-one, but they're also a fascinating peek into the brain and business of other yoga teachers. The teachers who participate are incredibly generous and brave to allow me to share their experience, their stories on the podcast, and I have so much respect for each of them. If you would like my help with your teaching or your yoga business, I'd love to connect with you. You can find out more about my paid strategy sessions at teachingyoga.net slash coaching. You can also get peer help from other listeners on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group. If you're not a member yet, go to teachingyoga.net slash join. And if you're curious about doing an on-air coaching call yourself and sharing your story with my podcast audience... I currently offer those opportunities to patrons of the podcast. To find out more about becoming a patron, go to teachingyoga.net slash patron. That's P-A-T-R-O-N, patron. In fact, I'd love for you to go do that right now. Pause this, and when you come back, we'll jump into today's conversation. Anki, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You want to talk about niche, which is awesome because it's such an important topic and it's something that so many of us struggle with for a really long time. So, so tell me where you're at right now with niche. Okay. My niche that I had picked was so broad and so vast, and I wasn't able to really thin it down. So I I remember talking a bit about Well, basically one of my biggest problems after doing all the market research and everything we've done, I still couldn't pinpoint the clientele. So whom am I addressing this to? Because basically I feel that I don't have a particular person that I'm serving. Like I have clients from all ages, all areas of life. Um, I seem to be having a lot more moms with, with young children which I think is also due to the online training, uh, online courses, I mean, because for them it's really, they are able to attend without having to leave the home. So this is really where I, um, where I feel good as well. Like that's what I want to create. Um, I love my live Zoom classes and I, I just want to continue doing it even after hopefully, hopefully soon the crisis is over. I would love to continue working this way. Um, also, because I live in Munich and prices here are very expensive for renting places. And I had been looking to find a place, to find a room, and it's just way too expensive to make to make it work right now. So I thought to move it online is for me is a really big chance, actually. So I started from there. I wanted to niche down my customers and um, I didn't really manage. Then I thought, what is the the things that I'm offering? It's very vast. I'm offering yoga, online yoga courses. I'm a Hatha kind of yoga 
leaning on hatha and um wanting to do to put other offers as well like restorative yoga i'm creating a course right now um so like to extend my offering a little in in this online studio that i want to create yeah so with the niche thing i really wasn't if you want to hear my niche i think i had to write it down because i cannot even put it in one sentence i couldn't even remember it it's so long and even when i write it down it's like a half a page long <laughs> because I just wanted to put everything in there. So I, I wrote, I empower students of a beginner's mindset who value their well-being to grow along with me on the yoga path, learning to find joy in healthy movement, to release tension, to experience ease and increase strength in their bodies, to discover peace in meditation, breathing in and breathing out love so that they can shine their lights on and off the mat. So that was my niche statement, which is more like really putting everything into <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of more like a mission statement, isn't it? Exactly. My mission statement is almost the same. So no wonder. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me, how long have you been teaching, Anki? Uh, about two and a half years now. I've taught two and a half years. I assisted the same teacher training that I was um, I did. Uh, last year yeah through my research I actually what was interesting and that is something that I realized I had this big aha moment today because I thought all I'm I want to do like I'm a, I'm a very calm a very grounded person and a lot of my students they gave me that feedback they said I love working with you because I love yoging with you because it's so relaxing because I feel grounded after I feel nourished and all these things. So I was getting the feedback the whole time, but I wasn't seeing it sort of thing. And then today it clicked when I was reviewing all the information that we had put together in flight school, that all I want to do is what I, what is natural to me is really creating something around deceleration, around slowing down. Like that is really, that is really my topic. And that what people have been giving me back and actually yeah there it is like today it i had this really i was so happy when i had this aha moment <laughs> yeah no that's beautiful because i think sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the who and to ignore the what and we've talked about this before how your niche isn't necessarily all going to fall into place at the same time and especially somebody who's been teaching a few years, you haven't been teaching 10 or 15 or 20 years. It's much easier to find a niche when you have a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. But when you're at the place where you're really finally starting to find your voice and your style and your message, that's not necessarily the moment that that the niche is going to fall into place. That's the moment that you start asking the question. Mm -hmm. And so as I taught in flight school, there's really two components of a niche. There's the who and there's the what, but the what is actually more important. So if you're starting to hone in on the what, that's fantastic. That's a beautiful start. It's okay if you get clear on the who for different offerings. So sometimes we do have more than one niche. And it's best if we have more than one niche, if they're somewhat related, right? They're under the same umbrella, but my membership is for retired people who want to slow down, learn how to slow down and ground. They finally have the time, but their nervous systems are so amped up 
that they don't know how. So that's what I do in my membership. But my Zoom classes are for the busy moms who want to slow down and ground because they don't have the ability to commit to the membership. They don't have the time like the older folks do. So the Zoom is the way that I hold space for them. Does that make sense that you can have some different populations and you, but the reason to have, to have a sense of the population is that so you know what to offer. But if you're offering multiple things, it can be for multiple people. So you would address each population differently, right? Like advertise to them in different ways, market them in different ways. Okay. Yeah. And, and offer them different structures and formats that meets their needs. Mm -hmm. So for example, for me, I have certain offerings that I think of as being more for beginner teachers and It's not, I don't say that explicitly necessarily, like I might, it's, there's nothing wrong with it, but I don't have to. And in fact, for example, the Impact Club, that was really a program that I had a more beginner teacher in mind when I created it. So it's not very high cost. It's not very demanding time-wise. And I have also attracted really experienced teachers to that program. Mm -hmm. So The niche is more to help us narrow down our possibilities and take action more consistently and do a better job of making decisions than it is designed to like hone us into a box. And I think that's the big fear and that's the big place that resistance comes from. It's like, if I choose this niche, then I'm going to be excluding people. I'm going to be limiting myself. I'm going to be whatever our stories are around the limitations that a niche creates boundaries and restrictions can create a container for us to experience more freedom that if you are walking through the world with no boundaries there's yeah there's so many potential possibilities but you are completely ungrounded and you don't know where to focus And so by consciously creating some boundaries for yourself and saying, no, I work specifically with yoga teachers. That's what, that's my boundary, right? Yeah. I still have the freedom to change that boundary. Yeah. We have a member in flight school who actually wants to focus more on teaching Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. That's fine. I, I get to decide that on a case-by-case -case basis. Am I going to make exceptions to the rules and the boundaries I've set? But it's so much easier to consider a case-by-case -case exception than it is to consider every single opportunity fresh, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Totally. It's like an umbrella. I see it like my umbrella. That is, everything is falling under this umbrella. It's like to phrase everything around this, this umbrella thing. So I was really happy when I found that for me, like I could like even blog around that subject of slowing down life and it all fits together suddenly. So I now have to sit down and rephrase my niche, but I think I have the direction. Today I sat down, I reviewed the niche thing because I, th I, I said I cannot come unprepared to Mado. So I sat down, I read all the sheets and I was like, oh man, it's been there for me. It's sitting there, the answer. And sometimes that's also a lesson that you just have to get things, let them settle, let them settle, breathe into them, relax into them. Also, you have to relax, relax into these things and let them, yeah, 
cook a little. Let them marinate. And you're right. The, the answer will come to you because even for example, like my role as a teacher or as a coach and your role as a teacher and a coach to your students, we're just holding some space. We're holding up some mirrors and, and providing some of those boundaries. But ultimately we want our students to find the answer inside of them. Yes. Yes. How do you take decisions easier? I think the first step is to not consider any decision as firm, but consider it as an experiment. And to understand that the faster you make decisions, the faster you learn from the effect of that decision. So let's say, for example, you want to focus on, you want to make a decision about what type of marketing you're going to do, what platform you're going to use. Well, you could spend six months figuring out the right platform for you, or you could spend three months experimenting with one platform, realizing that it's not right for you, but learning a bunch along the way, switching to the second platform, which is right for you, and applying everything that you learned from the first platform to the second platform. I think that there's a fear of making the wrong decision and letting go of that is how we make decisions faster. To recognize that there is no wrong decision is sort of like in your classes and you offer a few options to your students mm -hmm. and the ones that are like, oh, but I don't know which one I should take. And you're like, just try one. You'll find out, go into the pose and then I'll tell you whether it was the right one or not. Mm -hmm. So it's like, sometimes we have to coach ourselves or teach ourselves, you know, uh, there are certain situations we even need to parent ourselves. It's like, we need to step outside of the momentary reaction and say, okay, what would I tell somebody else in this situation? So there's never a waste of energy. It's, it doesn't matter. Like something will come out of it anyways, right? I think the biggest waste of energy is agonizing over the decision. <laughs> yeah. It's a hard thing for decision makers, to, for not decision makers. For perfectionists, <laughs> it's a hard thing. Perfectionists, yeah, yes. I can relate to that so much. And I still see those threads and those tendencies inside myself. It's not like I'm at a place where I'm beyond them. But I know I've grown a lot in the ability to just make quick decisions And it's like a habit. It's like a skill that you practice. Mm -hmm. And so with anything like that, the first step is to notice yourself falling into those old patterns of procrastination and perfectionism. That's the first step. Because if you don't notice that you're doing it, you can't change it. It's always, the problem is always to get started, you know, into something. Like I have an Instagram account set up. I have had it since months. And I'm always waiting for the moment to start posting. And then I'm like, but what am I going to post? My first post, what's it going to be about? You know, and is it really worth it? And is it, and it's, it's so difficult for sometimes to, to get started. Like, yes, to just say, no, I don't have to have all my office set in place. I could even take along the people in the process, right. Of me making these, these plans and decisions and things like sure. that. Sure. 
Absolutely. I think that there's a lot of value in letting people see behind the curtain a little bit. You know, one of the challenges with starting to post on Instagram is who is following you in the beginning? Well, it might be your students and that would be good, but it might also be like your friends and family. And you have to be careful in the beginning if you are, if most of your followers are friends and family that do not fit into the people who you want to work with, that you don't worry too much about what they say or what they think, because they're not who you're trying to reach. But if you can start just with your students, let's say you would even send out an email. Let's say you have all your students' email addresses and you send out an email and you say, students, I have been putting this off for months and I am determined to start my Instagram. I'm going to start imperfectly and I really would appreciate your support. Here's how you can follow me and do me a favor. I'm going to be asking questions in my stories. Just answer the question. It'll be really easy and simple. So something like that, like get them involved mm -hmm. and make it a conversation from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then you can ask them questions like, ask me one question you've been afraid to ask in class, or here are three options of the types of content I could be creating for Instagram, vote which one you want to see the most. Mm -hmm. That is really clever. You can make it interactive from the beginning. And I think if you do that, it's going to be a lot more fun and it's actually going to be a lot more successful that way too, but mostly just get started. Yes, I know. <laughs> like I'm collecting. And so, so one thing about having gone through flight school, I have all these things systems set in place and I'm so happy about it. Like I have my time table now at today, I put all my dates in the calendar for my first three goals. So I'm really happy about the systems, but still I haven't gotten into starting. I'm still with a break on somehow, you know? Well, I would give yourself some, cut yourself some slack because you have started. As I shared inside the flight school framework, it's really common for the first three to six months of starting a business to be the planning phase. So you have started planning. You have started. Now, the idea is not to get stuck in the planning phase. And as you know, the next phase is the validation phase. Be running these little experiments all the time. How can I get information, data, feedback from the people that I'm already connected to in my circle and my network who are my students or my potential students so that I can build from there and grow from there. So can I ask you a question with regard to validation, actually? You know that I'm, I'm already teaching. I have two classes a week that are like open for everyone to attend whenever they want. And mm. I'm just moving this onto my platform, right? That I want to create my website. Yeah. Does this need validation? No, no, that's something. If it's already working, it's already been validated. Okay, exactly. Okay, yes. Could we talk about, so So what I'm now trying to create with my niche or where I'm umbrella, my umbrella, my niche umbrella is now slowing down, finding peace, finding calm. So if, if I think to the um, about the population that I want to offer it to, it still could be offered to everyone, right? So how do I now address the people? 
Okay, here's where I would go from finding the topic and the core idea. And by the way, this would be a chance to revisit your core message and make sure that it's framed within your new understanding of your umbrella. But think of your think to yourself, who are the people that are most ready for this message? Because like you said, it's a message that could be taken anywhere, but let's be honest, there are lots of people who are not open to it, not interested in it, not ready for it. Mm -hmm. So to try to, and again, this is where the narrowing down becomes such food for your growth, is that now you get to decide and experiment and think about and consider who's going to get benefit from working with me the most quickly. Mm -hmm. Why not choose those people? Mm -hmm. Which some of my, in inverted commas, ideal clients that I already think of when I create my, when I think of my offerings, I could like, I could think of what are they, what, what problems do they have? Yeah. Once you have your main idea of what you help with, then start to look around for who is really primed to receive benefit from this work. And do you think the working mom niche is too broad? No. Working moms? No, I don't. Not, not when you talk about working moms who feel scattered and unfocused or working moms who aspire to be grounded and calm, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, or who need to find more balance. Yeah. So remember though, that there are gonna be some working moms who really identify with their speed and their busyness and they're not the ones who are, so even within that stated niche, for you, you can have clarity that there's actually it's actually even more narrow. It's the ones who know that they want and are capable of being more grounded. And maybe, maybe some of your content, like on Instagram, is teaching the ones who aren't sure if they're capable of it, some quick strategies to show them, oh, I am capable of this. And now maybe if I work with Anki, she's going to show me how to make it sustainable over the long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what you're thinking that you are feeling called to work with working moms? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's, that's the people I'm most surrounded with as well. So it, it totally makes sense. And yeah. I love that you came to this from that umbrella of, I want to help people ground and calm decelerate. I want to help people decelerate versus I want to help working moms, what do they need, right? I think that that's actually way more powerful to know what the core message is, what the, what the core transformation is that is at the heart of your work. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's, it's so, so helpful. <laughs> I love it. It's so funny how, you know, in the beginning, it feels like so many options is floating out and then it's 
confusing and, and kind of stressful to think about narrowing down. And once you do, you go, whoa, this feels so good. It feels so clear. It feels so easy. I can't tell you how, how relieving it is because I have a, I think I have about four pages of niches. <laughs> and you go through that to get to here so that you know when it feels right. You know, if you try on a bunch of niches that are like, no, it's not that, no, it's not that, no, it's not that. That's when it is right. You're like, okay, now I don't have to worry anymore. And it feels so good to know <laughs> when it. things fall into place. Yeah. Oh, so. I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for being willing to do this process in public and share, because I know that you're not the only one who struggles with this. I mean, it's probably the number one question that I get. Or the number one thing that people reach out to me saying, this is so hard. I'm struggling so much. That's why I love getting on these calls and just providing this example, because the more yoga teachers and anyone struggling with niche listens to somebody else going through the struggle and then finding the clarity, that's going to help other people. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much, Meadow, for having me and all the work you do. Really, I'm so grateful. Thank you again to the generous and courageous yoga teachers who participate in these coaching calls. I've had so many listeners reach out to let me know how helpful they are, and that would not be possible without the passion and vulnerability that you embody. And I also want to give a huge thank you to the patrons of the podcast who contribute to the expenses on a monthly basis. If you're curious about deepening your connection to this community and becoming a patron, I hope you'll go to teachingyoga.net slash patron to find out about all of the perks and benefits of becoming a patron. I'm so very, very grateful to have you as a listener, and I would be incredibly delighted and honored to also have you as a patron. Keeping these podcast episodes free from outside ads is really important to me, and the patrons of the podcast are what make that possible. Once again, the link to get all the details and to sign up is teachingyoga.net slash patron. And whether or not contributing to the podcast is something you're interested or is a possibility for you in this moment, I hope that you'll remember to center your own self-care and your personal practice this week. And I'll see you next week for another episode of the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast.